0: Let's go ahead and turn in our Bibles uh to the book of Romans and Romans uh chapter two specifically. I'm gonna pick up where we were um, a couple weeks ago <clears throat> talking about um, some things of uh of judgment. Um, one thing that I, I noticed, uh you know obviously in my Christian walk and my Christian life. Um, I noticed that the ability to judge and the ability to discern is not something that just comes like that. It's something that uh, has to be taught. It's something that we learn from the Word of God. And as we were talking about, we, we, we kind of talked a little bit about that, uh, that passage over there in Matthew uh, that talks about judge not and uh, um, unless you be judged in its parallel passage over there in Luke 6. And um, we obviously know that there is one form of judgment that God's talking about, and there's another form of judgment God's talking about. And we're talking about, uh, if you will, day-to-day life decisions. Um, And I will tell you this, you know, we, we, we talk a lot about the big battles that go on in our life. Um... You know, recently I, I, I've gone through uh, quite the the rigor moro of uh, of trials in uh, with my health, um, and uh, it's just been uh, some ups and downs and and, and backs and forths, and um, it's uh, it's been a challenge. And those are trials we look at, and and to a degree they 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 do give us certain. Uh, guidance and direction in our life, and we have to judge what happens when those occur. We have to judge righteously, as we talked about. But I'll tell you, it's the, the, the battle, the Christian battle, is going to be won based upon what decisions you make from a day-to-day basis. If uh, your day-to-day judgments aren't what they need to be, you're going to struggle when the big ones come. It's just, that's the way it has to, or excuse me, not the way it has to be, but the the way that it is, it doesn't have to be that way because we can make these decisions and judgments righteously. Now, again, relying on God's judgments is what he intends for us to do. Meaning what we do is we look at what God has already judged as right and God has already judged as wrong, and we take that... And then we then apply that judgment to our life. We look at ourselves and we say, okay, am I right or am I wrong? And that was one of the, you know, again, that's part of the passage that he's talking about over there in in Luke and in Matthew is about looking at ourselves. This idea of going around judging people, sometimes those things do happen. And he talks about how we go about doing that how we judge one another and how we look at one another. You know, he 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 even said of himself he came not to judge but then at one point in time he said of the nation of Israel he said he had many things uh, to judge of them. So the, the we see that there's very clearly this dynamic that goes on about how we look at things, how we judge things. And before we start judging anything, the intent behind what God's talking about and what we're looking at here is we judge ourselves first. Before we can start taking a look at anybody else's life, before we can even start taking a look at anything else that's going on in the world, we have to look at ourselves. And that's a hard thing to do. Because it, it, we're not on the, 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 the... It's not the first stop that we go to. Our first stop is we look at somebody else and we judge them. Or we judge a situation. But when it comes to us, we, 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 we go on the back burner because, you know, we, we quote unquote in our own mind will say, OK, well, I'm fine. I'm, a, you know, I and God are like this. We've got a good relationship, whatever it is. But we don't look at ourselves first. And if there is one thing that is critical of the Christian life is you have to do this on a daily multi-time, many times a, 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 a day basis, not just, not just once, not just wake up in the morning and try to judge yourself. It's with every circumstance and every decision you make, you have to make a judgment. In Romans chapter two, we see here, <coughs> pardon me, where he says, um, and, uh, let me get the, the right verse here. Real quick, uh, in verse one, he says, Therefore, thou art inexcusable, O man, whosoever thou art that judgest. For wherein thou condemnest another, thou condemnest thyself, for thou that judgest doest the same things. But we are sure that the judgment of God is according to truth against them which commit such things, and thinkest thou this, O man, that judgest them which do such things, And do us the same that thou shall escape the judgment of God. And this is a mindset that we have to begin to look at. This isn't just about, you know, somebody that's in a Supreme Court or at a circuit judge or in a a county judge mentality. This isn't somebody that has just been uh, um, uh, given that commission to go and, and, and judge accordingly. This is somebody that is on a day to day basis Looking at how we you know discern things in our life, and he goes on further in the passage and he starts talking about how the Gentiles judge each other in verse fourteen he he talks about the, the the law that's there, and in order to judge in order to judge and this is probably one of the most critical things that we need to understand in order to judge, there must be a law, there must be a law. What good is a judge? That has no law with which he goes back to. I mean, it, it, what, what what happens when a judge is there? Like I said, I sometimes like to watch court cases, and I watched a, a various a, a amount of them lately. And some some were just laughable, some were just absolutely ridiculous uh, uh, that uh, took place, and and. Uh, I was very surprised about certain things that the judges allowed, but th- that that being said, it always comes back to what does the law say? What does the law say? Now we have a law, and it's found in the Word of God. And somebody's going to say, "Well, the law was abolished." Yes, the the, the 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 idea that the law was going to do anything to, uh, if you will, um, uh, temporarily cover. Those things of sin that has been done away with with the final sacrifice of Jesus Christ, but we do find that there are other laws. We do find that the law is a schoolmaster to us. So what we do is we use these things that are contained in the law, and as we talked about in in first or excuse me not first, but in, in Psalms chapter 119, we find that those things that are contained in the law are the things of the Word of God. That's what's going, what we're going to use as a basis for our judgment. So he's asking the question here in Romans 2. He's like, okay, if you want to really truly judge things, you've got to make sure that you're using God's judgment according to truth. In verse 2, that is the concept behind this. That is a concept behind everything that we do when we judge anything. But he's making it very clear. He's saying, look... If you're going to use one set of laws to judge that are, if you will, godly, and then you're going to use your own set of laws to judge yourself, which are fleshly, you've got a problem with God. You're out of sync. You're out of step. And I dare say you're almost out of fellowship at that point. Because you're not using what God has given you The right way. So we read this passage and he makes it very clear here that God has given us these great things. And what happens is in our judgment, we will often despise what God gives us. Take a look at verse four of Romans chapter two. And he says, or despisest thou the riches of his goodness and forbearance and long suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to repentance. You realize that all of these things that we have in, in, in Scripture are riches; they're treasures. Okay, the Book of Proverbs covers that. When he starts talking about the, um, the, the 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 treasures of wisdom, talking about uh, things far above rubies, uh, talking about their value that we need to go and seek it, uh, silver. I mean, all of these things that we see what uh, the value. Of wisdom and knowledge and understanding and instruction from God's word, we realize that it is a treasure. It is a treasure. I I, I don't know. Maybe somebody can tell me. Did anybody win that one point six billion dollar Powerball, or did it increase again? I didn't win it. You didn't win it. Praise God. Yeah. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> Yeah, well, never mind. I'm not even going to go there. <laughs> but, I'll, but I'll tell you this. You know, people look at that as the treasure. You know, over there in Mark chapter 8, God was uh, talking about bread. and He was making a very distinct comment about how men view bread as a treasure. That basically he's making a comparison to the things of the physical world. The physical bread was more important than the spiritual bread. And what we look at as as Christians, as what is more important, what is the riches, that's going to be extremely important in our judging process. If we despise it, as he's talking about here in this verse, and and look, sometimes the way we despise things, we don't just sit there and go, oh, that just makes me sick. No, despising is a subtle little creature. Subtle little creature. Because Esau, he despised his birthright. Well, did he just sit there and go, oh man, why do I have to have this? Oh, this thing's awful. Oh, this is, he was complaining about it. No, he despised it by the way he used it. He despised it by the way he used it. How did he use it? He sold it. He told God, I don't care what you gave me. And he sold it. The same thing is true about what we have with the word of God. This is why the word of God is so important. We can't look aside from it. And we know that this word of life that is here and the things that are in here that are, if you will, the goodness of God, that stuff leads you to repentance. Repentance. That's the stuff that will change your life. That's the stuff that will say, hey, look, you're doing wrong in your life. You need to make that change. You need to turn from this to turn to God, to turn to Christ, to turn to his word, to turn to the spiritual things that are righteousness. That's what needs to happen. This is what the word of God does. So when we go through this judgment process every single day, we have to, before we're going to judge anybody or anything else, we have to make sure that we're using the right source of law to judge. And that is the truth of the word of God. I want us to turn over to um, before we go to, to Romans 14, I want to go over to 1 Corinthians first. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <coughs> 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Take a look at verse 1. He says, dare any of you, having a matter against another, go to law before the unjust, not before the saints? He's like, okay, so why would you go to an unjust judge first? Why don't you just get it taken care of between people that actually understand the word of God? You know what Paul's saying? He's recognizing that men make bad laws. They make bad laws. They can't seem to judge correctly. Uh, I mean, dare I say, the, the, the position that people take on abortion. You got somebody that supports it and then somebody that doesn't support it, and you've got an issue that you need to go and take in front of a judge. Are you going to take one that's going to believe that it's okay to uh, take the life of an unborn. So we, we very clearly see that God is making it, uh, you know, evident here. He's like, okay, let's let's make sure we we understand who we allow to judge us. Who we allow to judge us. But but here's what he he's getting at with this in verse two. He says, "Do you, ye not know that the saints shall judge the world?" this is an interesting thing. I want us to think about this for a second. You know, we talk about ruling and reigning with Christ, right? And uh, there's a lot that, that is not said about it. There's a lot that is said about it. And in this passage, he specifically talks about judging the world. Now, we know that the, the disciples, uh, the 12, they have a distinct uh, part in that and what they're supposed to do. But we also know that even after the end of the tribulation period, when Jesus Christ returns in the millennial reign, there's still going to be people here on earth. Life has not been exterminated. Uh, Even though we've had a massive battle, the battle of Armageddon, and and, and, uh, just countless lives uh, are lost because of their pride and throughout the entirety of the tribulation period uh, thousands and countless thousands of lives have been lost because of the rejection of god there's still people that are going to be going through the tribulation and coming out the other end that are believers that are saints that's a that's a that's a talk about a brutal time to be around we think we got it bad because, you know, we got a senator that may, may may or may not believe things from the Word of God or a governor that may or may not uh, proclaim to be a Christian or a president that may or may not uh, understand uh, anything about what is right and what is wrong. I'm talking about that in general of every nation, okay? Not just not just uh, picking on certain people, okay? But, uh, but I will say this, that, that, that when we look at this, he's saying, look, you realize we're going to judge the world one day. Now, when you are in your perfect redeemed body, and you do not have any health issues or problems, oh praise God! Would that day come? Oh, I'm going to move off of that Pentecostal moment just for a bit, just a bit here, <clears throat> and you have the mind of Christ to the point of where you understand the things of the Word of God completely. I want you to think about that. You are going to be assigned judgment tasks. Remember like what the judges used to do? It's interesting. You go around and you read the the book of Judges. When I was young, I thought the judges were consecutive, right? They overlapped. Why? Because they were in different areas. There wasn't one judge over all of them. There was judges at certain points in time that would overlap each other. Because they were with different groups, different tribes that were involved. Sometimes it was overarching, sometimes it wasn't. But what we find with that, with those judges that were there, we also find that God commissioned a certain amount of judges over there with Moses to go and exercise judgment among the people not just not just Moses but multiple personal judges going through the land you realize that's going to kind of be what we as Christians are going to be doing during the if you will that's there's some typology that we can see with that during the millennial reign telling people this is what you need to do to get what you know, to get right with God, that type of judgment. And what we find is, is he says this in verse two. But I want you to continue on, and it says, and if the world shall be judged by ye, you are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters. And then in verse three, he says, some of us, if you will, he says, know ye not that we shall judge angels? Okay, that just like. <clears throat> I don't even know. I, I, nah, okay. <laughs> I don't even know how that one's going to work. I'm not even. I, I can't even begin to speculate on that. But there he is. He's saying we're going to go and we're going to judge angels, what they did, whether it was right, whether it was wrong, in a continual process. They're still going to be doing the work of God. And sometimes Christians get these mindsets of the, these angels just sit around like you know they're doing nothing, sitting on clouds up in in uh, in heaven, just kind of twiddling their thumbs, strumming on harps. No, the angels of the Lord, the the angels of the Lord are busy ministers, watching out and doing things. And again, that enters into the spirit world and the, what they do, and we've talked about some of that before, and, and, and I'm not going to go too far into that, but we're going to be judging some of their, their actions and what they've been doing, their motives, their intent. That's, that. that right there just again blows my mind. So we're judging angels and we're judging the world, and Paul asks the question, can you not just judge the simple small things of life? And he's asking about that now. Not in the future when we have all knowledge, but now. He asks that question. He says, are ye unworthy to judge the smallest matters? Is it really that important? Is this something that I need to be angry about? Is this something I need to be upset about? Is this something that is a concern for me? Is this a care that I need to cast upon God? Well, he says, casting all your cares, so the answer is yes. But you understand what I'm saying is, is we have to judge, as he says here, the smallest matters. The smallest matters. And I'm talking about day-to-day decisions. Day-to-day decisions. And here's how we begin to judge things. Now, we all would want to judge things according to us, right? Let's go over to to, to Romans chapter 14. That's not how we judge things. Romans chapter 14. (coughs) Excuse me. No, I don't have a cold <clears throat> It's just all this wonderful mold we have in the air. Oh, yeah. Praise God <clears throat> and let's go ahead and take a look at uh, um, chapter <clears throat> chapter fourteen now now here here's let me give you the context here <clears throat> in verse one he says, him that is weak in the faith receive ye, but not to doubtful disputations and here's the problem he says sometimes we get into these disputes. And sometimes they're, they, they 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 kind of try to form themselves as biblical doctrine disputes, and sometimes they're really they're not. And he talks about this in verse two. He says, "For one believeth that he may eat all things; another, who is weak, eateth herbs." There's a guy out there that's just—he's going to go the vegetarian route. Dare I say, almost the vegan route? He's just eating herbs. He's out there munching on the, uh, the rosemary and the oregano. Well, you've got the steak. <clears throat> now, he does call them weak because again, that's a spiritual condition. Now, we as Christians, as believers, as those that are, or those of us that are mature, we're supposed to help them. Not break them, but help them. There is a big difference in the way we say things to a person that can destroy them in an instant. So our words have to be very careful. But what we see here is he says we've got one person that believes, okay, everything is okay to eat, which God has said that's fine long as you give Thanksgiving for it, hey, go to town. Eat it. Bacon? Bacon, yep. Catfish, shrimp, all those things that, you know, people are like, no, no, I don't want to eat those. Look, if you don't want to eat those, I, when I took all those allergies tests, I found I was allergic to shrimp. Man, I love shrimp. Oh, something's wrong with that. But, you know, that's what happens. Now, I'm not going to go around and preach. Well, let's, let's take one of my opinions. Green beans. Oh, I hate the critters. Can't stand them. But if they're put in front of me, I will eat them. And I did, until I found out I was allergic to them. Now I will just politely refuse them. Now I'm not going to go out and I'm not going to tell everybody in the world that they need to stop eating green beans. That green bean casserole is an abomination of the Lord. <clears throat> I'm not going to go out there and say if you have your green beans with the cheddar cheese melted on the top and 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 you and you toss in some sort of pine nut or something like that and. Uh, maybe have some sort of, you know, uh, light-based cream sauce or whatever in there and however you prepare your green beans or maybe just like to eat them raw and get all that really good fiber or whatever and, and lick the fuzz off of them. I don't care. And whatever you want to do with them is fine with me. I'm not going to sit there and preach that that's wrong. I would be a reprobate if I did. I would be a heretic if I tried to use the word of God to justify that position. So I have to judge things very differently. He says, uh, in verse 3, he says, Let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not, and let not uh, him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. He's saying, look, you guys just choose whatever you want to eat. Don't make it a biblical issue. And whatever you do, don't make it a disputation that's going to cause doubt in the mind of a believer. And as we go to this, one of the things, I just want to read verse 4 here. He says, Who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth, and you shall be holding up, for God is able to make him stand. I have had men come up to me and say, Pastor, your... Your ministry that God has given you is for you to go and to go confront every unbelieving and every uh heretic pastor that is in the greater uh, Portland, Vancouver area. And I'm like, that's odd. I didn't get that email. I wasn't led of the Spirit to do that. Oh no, that's what you need to do. Maybe that's what you need to do. Well, I try it, then they don't listen to me. They just kick me out of the church. (laughs) (laughs) Whatever. Not my responsibility. Who am I to judge another man's servant? God used a donkey. He certainly can use anybody. He used a belligerent pastor in the book of Jonah. He can use someone else. He's used wicked men to fulfill his will. I mean, again, over and over and over again, we see things that God does. He used an Egyptian pharaoh by the name of Nico to do something. The Josiah picked a fight with incorrectly. And Nico was saying, who are you to tell me that you're going to come against me when the word of God told me to go over here? How did Nico know the word of God? Yeah, that, that one will make you meditate. Was there a prophet in Egypt? Was the word of God in Egypt? even though it was reprobate? Anyways, that being said, he says, here's the issue. We all have these differences of these, sometimes what we refer to as convictions or opinions. And there's a big difference between what what, what is called a belief, what is a, an opinion, what is a conviction, and what is truth and doctrine according to the Word of God. And sometimes our opinions and our convictions And what we believe is not according to the Word of God. I've had people flat out say, you should never buy a Ford. It's a sin to buy a Ford. I'm like, okay, why is that? And they go on some big long anti-Semitic thing that uh, or uh, talking about the anti-Semitism that, uh, uh, you know, Henry Ford had. Henry Ford's dead. Shouldn't buy a Japanese car. Because of the atrocities they committed in World War II. They're all gone now. I mean, you know, the list goes on, right? Should never buy anything from China. All of these things that people try to make and fit in there. Up to the point of including, you know, some of the modern day stuff where they start talking about, well, you know, you ought not eat some of those things that, you know, have preservatives and things like that. Look, don't try to make that biblical. You don't want to eat it? Don't eat it. I've had people tell me, oh, you should definitely never eat cured bacon. Mm -hmm. I know. You can have uncured bacon. You can have bacon, it just has to be uncured. Because, you know, the nitrates, nitrates are bad, nitrates are bad, nitrates are bad. You can't have them. Well, some of us, if I was to eat uncured bacon, you know what they cure that with? Cherry and celery powder, two things of which I am allergic to. It will make me sick and possibly hurt me. So guess what I eat when I have bacon? I go straight for the stuff that's like full of the sodium nitrate. You're like, well, you're going to die sooner. I'm going to leave that in the hands of the Lord. I almost died at 48 because I had something going on inside of me that I had absolutely no idea. That was totally unrelated to anything that I ever ate. So, again, I'm going to rely on the Lord. You know how many times I could have died in a car accident? You're standing there. You hear the whistle of, of, of a bullet go past your ear. You're like, "Oh, that's a, that's something that will wake you up in the morning." So yeah, there there are things that the Lord has protected me, and I have to have a lot of trust in Him. Now I'm not going to go out and tempt myself and go say, "Hey, I'm going to go sign up and you know fight over in the Ukraine or something like that." or go fight over in Syria, or wherever, you know, a conflict is. But you understand what I'm saying is is we get to this point of where we go back and forth with all of these ridiculous things without trusting really who God is. That's the problem. So I want us to look a little bit further down here in Romans 14, and I want you to see what he says here. And we're not talking about this whole issue about what is you know, right to eat and what is wrong to eat, because we can go through this passage and the other passages that address it. There's not just one, okay? But let's get to the root of the issue of why he's bringing this up. In verse 10, he says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Now that should terrify you a little bit. Now remember, there's two judgments, okay? There's a great white throne judgment that shows up in the book of Revelation. And that's where things, uh, where people's names are read out of the Lamb's Book of Life. If your name is not found in the Lamb's Book of Life, you get to spend the eternity in lake of fire. Better make sure your name is found in the Lamb's Book of Life. If it's not found there, you got a problem. Okay? And then there's the judgment seat of Christ for believers. And that's found over in 1 Corinthians 3, where he talks about how things are going to be judged by fire. He's going to put all of the things that we've done for him in there and see what they last. Gold, silver, precious stone, wood, hay, stubble. What happens when you put wood in a fire? Burns. What happens if I put hay in a fire? Burns. What if I put, you know, stubble, dried, dead, you know, like leaves and weeds and things, you know, that you scrape off the ground and stuff like that? What happens if I put that in a fire? It burns. I put gold and silver in a fire, it gets more pure. I put precious stones in a fire, they're unaffected. So therein is God's judgment talking about how what we do. And he's looking specifically at the motive. Not quantity, quality. Quality. Why did we do it? Did we do it for ourselves or did we do it for God? Did we do it because we love him? Or did we do it? Because we had to. So we can see things can get burned up real quick. But here he is, he's talking about the fact that we're all going to stand in front of the judgment uh, of Jesus Christ, at the judgment seat of Christ. And he's talking about why we're going through this process of judging one another about what the person eats and what the other person eats. you got one guy over here that's an organic vegan, and you got the other guy over here who's buying, you know, steaks off of the... um, walmart shelf that have been discounted um you know because they're a couple days past due and he's loving them and people are judging each other right you ever get you ever get to that point where you, you look at what people do and 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 things like, let me ask you this is it okay to leave a pizza sit out overnight and then eat it in the morning? <laughs> for me, for me, I'd be like, mm-mm, not touching that thing with a 10-foot pole. But if you eat it, hey, more power to you. You got a stronger gut than I do. Um, I, you know, again, like I said, microbiology, that'll change your life. <laughs> Some people take microbiology and they just go, mmm, I'll just enjoy those little organisms and just, you know... <clears throat> So be it. Okay? we got all these different viewpoints of what people think about certain things. How many people leave, you know, and again, if you do any of these things, I am not criticizing you in any way, shape, or form or saying you are wrong. Okay? I want to make sure. But, you know, there's some people that leave the butter in the cupboard. There's some people that put it in the fridge. Some people that see that sign, it, it, it see that it says, keep refrigerated on the side. And they follow that and they keep it in the refrigerator. Some people, eh, they don't. Why? Because they want soft butter on their bread. Have they died from it? I know generations of people that never refrigerated their butter. And guess what? They're still alive today. One way or another. And if you want to know what I do with my butter, come over to my house, we'll break bread. And you'll see what I do with my butter. My Kerrygold Irish butter. Yes, the good stuff. I got the good stuff, yeah. <laughs> but here's, here, here's the concept. I want you to jump down here now to what he's getting at. In verse 12 he says, So then every one of us shall give account of himself to God. This is where judgment comes down to. You are going to give an account of what you do to God. So you had better make sure that what you judge is judged righteously and according to his law. Because here in verse 13, he says, let us not therefore judge one another anymore. And people are like, okay, well, we're going to stop. Okay, again, let's not you know, grab that judgment. Let you be judged mentality. Cause people, there are certain things that have to be judged. Somebody's, somebody's behaving incorrectly. I will judge them. You go, you just, just you put it in a, in a very simple example. You go to a gun range and some guy is out there and he's got no concept of what it means to make sure his muzzle is pointed down range and he's waving it all over everybody. I'm going to judge that dude right then and there. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, get it to the point of where I'm like, dude, you need downrange now. Why? Cause I don't want to be shot. Gone through her enough already, please. Last thing I need. I don't want to see anyone else get shot. It's a horrific sight to see. So let's just, let's, you know, we judge those actions like that. But we're talking about going even a little bit further as a person, you know, godly, ungodly, judging their heart and things that we may not necessarily be able to see. And again, judging them according to an incorrect perception of what is truth. Ourselves. Our standards. As we talked about, if we're going to judge anything, it has to be God's standards. But look at what he says here. He says, but judge this rather. That no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. So here it comes down to the nuts and bolts of judgment on a day-to-day basis on the small matters. Because the small matters matter, right? That small decision you make, what impact is that going to have on the brother or sister in Christ that's sitting next to you? Well, it won't. How do you know? Remember Eli, who reminded Job, saying, Job, they're watching you. Job, they're watching you. That small matter that you don't think is a big thing might be the equivalent of throwing a six-foot log in diameter in front of somebody. Can you say with 100% foreknowledge that you know that if you judge something just ever so slightly off the Word of God that it's not going to have an impact on somebody else's life later on? When we judge things on a day-to-day basis, and I'm talking the small things, the small decisions. Let's give a small decision. The words you say. Now we know words are big. But one word? One word. One word can wound. One word can cause somebody to stumble. One word can hurt and pierce into a person. And we all know that. You ever get into an argument where one person says something that's hurtful? And they say it just because they want to hurt. Happens in just about every argument. Spouse, parents, co-workers, employers, employees, brothers and sisters in Christ... And that's what it boils down to, which is why Ephesians 4 is so important. Because that's what grieves the Holy Spirit of God when we don't control what we say. And he says, look, how about you just judge this? Before we go through this whole process of judging whether that person's out of the will of God or whether that person's teaching heresy, how about we start with this? If you're going to judge something, let's start off with, what you do, let's judge it to make sure that it's not going to cause a stumbling block for anyone else, including the other people you're trying to judge. The very first stop of judgment is you. Does not the Bible say the judgment has to come, the house of God, first, first? well, weren't we the temple of the Holy Ghost? So maybe it should start there first. Mm-hmm. So when we start thinking about what what happens with our lives, when we start thinking about what we do to judge things, it's a matter of judging self first. before we start jumping down the throats of everyone else before, now, now look, I'm not talking about something that is is blatant open sin. You know, I'm not talking about where Phineas went over there and saw the two people that were causing the plague, and he went through and threw us some javelin through both of them into the ground. I'm not talking about that. If you think that's your ministry, hey, call me when from prison and uh, we'll talk. <clears throat> that's God hasn't called us to, to to thrust people through with javelins, okay? But, but I want us to be very clear here. We have to start looking at ourselves. Before we start asking anybody or talking to anybody about anything that is possibly an area where we would judge, we gotta make sure that we're, oh, that, that, that our judgment is, is, has already been completed. That we can accurately judge. That we're not being biased. That we didn't have to recuse ourselves. There's no, there's nothing that's going to, uh, um, hinder us from making the judgment according to the word of God. And this is why he was warning them in, in Romans chapter two, saying, look, if you're going to go around judging people, you need to make sure that your judgment has taken place first. Don't judge somebody and then say, well, get to me later. No, you judge yourself first. And this is in all matters including the small matters that we just saw. So we find very clearly that God is wanting us to judge according to this principle. Turn over to Philippians. <clears throat> I want to show one other thing. In Philippians chapter 1. So, I mean, obviously it's very clear that the very first thing that we have to have when it comes to judgment is God's truth, God's standards, God's word. We've got to make sure that first and foremost is that we're judging ourselves before we start looking at everything else and before we start trying to judge something, we've got to take a look at ourselves first, okay? And here's the other thing that we have to understand. Judgment, judgment is not all about getting in a person's face. Let's take a look at what judgment involves here in in Philippians chapter 1, verse 9. He says, In this I pray you, that your love may abound yet more and more in knowledge and in all judgment. Did you catch that? Love has to be involved in the judgment process. And not just, I'm going to season it ever so slightly. No, it has to, as he says there, what about? Aren't you thankful that the love of God abounded unto you. I mean, let's just, let's just put it this way. We judged ourselves. We sinned. We condemned ourselves. And what happens? We're the ones that have got ourselves into trouble. God now has to justly judge according to what we have done. But it is our fault. Now, when we look at this here, and when we realize that He exercised love in that judgment by dying on that cross for our sins, He's asking us to do the same thing. Some people just want to judge to make themselves a judge to be a ruler, to be an oppressor. that's not what God says. God makes it clear that we as believers have to have love involved in this judgment. Now this is going to be very, very, very important. When I talk about love being involved in judgment, I'm not talking about self-love in our own judgment. I'm talking about looking at the judgment with the love of God. And how was the love of God communicated to us? It's a love letter, right? All of these words are put here to tell you that He loved you, that He died on a cross for you. That's it. It's a love letter. All the things that he did, he did to demonstrate his love. Why is that? Because God is love. Do you know what that means? God has to be involved in the judgment process. If God is not involved in your judgment process, your judgment process will be in error. It will be in error. We're gonna to have to wrap this up, but I want us to just kinda of keep these things in mind as we continue to look at this, begin looking at discernment. Begin looking, uh, you know, we'll, we'll finish up some things with judgment here, but, but, that, that are important principles, but there's some other things that we have to look at when it comes to discernment. And, and, and discretion. The, these are, these are big words that we as Christians have to exercise in our day-to-day life in the small matters. And judgment is the first one that we really have to take a look at, because it's going to influence how the other ones are done. It's going to influence how the other ones are done. But the key things that we've seen very clearly today is that, number one, it has to start looking at ourselves, and number two, it has to include God, His love, His Word, everything. If it doesn't, then we are the ones that have got a problem in the judgment process. Let's go ahead and pray. Dear Heavenly Father, I thank you again for this time. Thank you again, Lord, for an opportunity to get into your word, to seek it out. And Lord, I thank you again for just uh, uh, those that are here. And I pray, Lord, you just continue to bless us uh, by teaching us through your word this morning. And I ask and pray this in your son's name, Jesus Christ. Amen.